and we're going to get into the Word today. So if you've got your Bibles, open them up to Exodus chapter 23. Exodus chapter 23. And I'm going to read about 13 verses here, but this is just kind of a, a full passage or a full story. Um, so just read along with me. And our, our message today is going to come largely out of what some of the revelation that we get uh, from this particular pass, these particular passages. So Exodus 23, verse 20, God is speaking uh, to the people of Israel and to Moses, and he says, Behold, I'm going to send an angel before you to keep you in the way and to bring you into the place where I have prepared. I'm going to repeat that first verse because that's pretty strong. Behold, I was, I'm going to send an angel before you to keep you in the way and to bring you into the place which I have prepared. Beware of him and obey his voice. Notice all the capitalizations. Do not provoke him, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. But if you indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. For my angel will go before you and bring you into the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I will cut them off. You shall not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do according to their works, but you shall utterly overthrow them and completely break down their sacred pillars. So you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water, and I will take sickness away from the midst of you. No one shall suffer miscarriage or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. I will send my fear before you. I will cause confusion among all the people to whom you come, and will make all your enemies turn their backs to you. I will send hornets before you, which shall drive out the Hivite, the Canaanite, and the Hittite from before you. I will not drive them out from before you in one year, lest the land become desolate and the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. Little by little, I will drive them out from before you until you have increased and you inherit the land. And I will set your bounds from the Red Sea to the Sea Philistia and from the desert to the river, for I will deliver the inhabitants of the land into your hand and shall drive them out before you. You shall make no covenant with them nor with their gods. They shall not dwell in your land, lest they make you sin against me. For if you serve their gods, it will surely be a snare to you. Let me pray. Father, in Jesus' name, God, I just ask you to anoint me today to just bring a word uh, of a truth to the people, to all of us. God, I can't do I can't do anything here. There's nothing transformational that can happen apart from a move of your spirit. So I ask you to just move in this place today, anoint me, open hearts, and just do a mighty work in each and every life this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Awesome story here. Let me start out by asking you a question. How many people have ever been in a place where you started to do something that was working? You, you know, you, you took some steps or you made some decisions. You started to kind of go down a path that you could see it was having an impact. It was making progress, getting you where you wanted to go. And you start getting into the, you know, excitement of the progress. Things are moving only to at some point, not even intentionally, but kind of drift away a little bit 
or stop doing the very things that were actually getting you the results that you wanted, only to see a little bit later things kind of start to unravel and begin to fall apart. And then you realize, oh my gosh, somewhere along the way, like I stopped doing the things that were actually getting me the results that I was wanting and enjoying, right? Can anybody relate to that at all? Just a few people. Okay. So I w- I remember when I was building uh, one of my first businesses, that one of the things that was critical that you had to do is what we call prospect, but basically you had to generate new business activity on a consistent basis. Every day you had to generate new leads, new business activity that we would call kind of like filling the pipeline, right? So that you always had things that were materializing. And when you were at ground zero, we had nothing going on it was really easy to do because this was like the only form of activity that you needed to be busy about because you had nothing going, so you had to generate some new stuff and you were focused on it. You were generating leads, you were talking to people, you were getting out and doing what you had to do. But as soon as you started to see some success and you started to get some accounts and you started to serve some people, then all of a sudden it'd be real easy to get busy with all the things you had to do and then stop doing the very thing that got you there to begin with, right? Which was generating a new activity. And I remember my mentor at the time, I'd be all excited, be like, man, Jeff, things are going great. You know, I got all this happening. He's like, all right, Matt, but are you doing your prospecting still every day? Are you still putting a couple hours into that? Well, you know, I've just been so busy with all this other stuff. He's like, I get it, man. I get it. But I'm just telling you, if you don't figure out a way to make that happen, it's going to dry up on you. And at some point, you're going to be back to square one and you're going to have to start that process all over again. It's going to be a lot harder to get that ball out of the divot when you get to that place. And he was so right, right? When it comes to the things that are critical, the accelerators, the things that move us forward, we have to make sure that we're diligent about ensuring that we devote the time and the activity to those things on a consistent basis so that we keep getting the results that we want to get. My grandpa, he has a funny scene. He says, you got to make sure that you dance with the one who brought you. Anybody ever heard that before? Like I was, you're going to dance with somebody else, I guess. I don't know. But it's a funny saying. It's funny, isn't it? Is it funny? Yeah, okay. You guys are serious today. Come on, lighten up a little bit. So uh, he says, you got to dance with the one who brought you. And basically what that means is you got to stick with the thing that gets you the results that you need to get. Now guys, what I'm gonna talk about today that we are gonna draw out of these passages here from Exodus, to me is one of the most critical things as a believer that we have to grasp, is that we don't just start out with God, we don't just get into these little spurts with Him, like we have to stay with Him the whole time all along the way in the journey, right? But look, here's the reality. This is all of us. We're all people. Human nature has a tendency to, when we are in desperate situations, we all, we all kind of naturally, if we love God, we kind of naturally cry out to Him. We're, we're on our knees a lot before Him. We're spending more time in prayer. Our, our surrender rate is very high. Are you with me? When we're in those places. But because we're people, human nature... We have this tendency when things start going good, when the blessing starts to come, when the results of what we've been doing starts to happen because it's God's promise and it's his plan for us, we tend to kind of get comfortable in that and we start to slip away little by little from the very thing, that desperate cry to him, the dependency on him that was putting us in that place to begin with. Are you with me? Now, what we see here in Exodus is here's what's going on. God 
and, you, and, and I want to paint just a little bit of a picture. I don't want to get too deep into this, but it's very important, is that the call of the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt is very symbolic to the call of Christ to you and I out of our life of sin. So when, when God says, I'm going to call you out of Egypt, what he was doing is the people were in bondage. They were in slavery and they were oppressed. And so he called them out of Egypt and they crossed the Red Sea and they went into the promised land, which was the great purposes of abundance and provision that God had planned for them. And it's very symbolic to you and I to, after Christ because when God calls us to accept Christ, he calls us out of a life of bondage from sin into a place of freedom from that oppression. And this thing that's a promised land is like our purpose and our destiny that God has created us for that ultimately is fully perfected when we get to be with him in heaven and we're in eternity one day. So it's all of the, the principles that we'll see through this story in Exodus very much apply to our lives today as we're living for Christ. Are you with me? So God calls them out of Egypt. He says, come out of this bondage. Come out of this slavery that you're in. But it's, it's, it's crazy. Israel does exactly what we're, we're kind of talking about here this morning. They get in a, a rhythm God has taken care of them. I mean, he parted the sea, man. Of course, they love him, right? He just brought them out of bondage. But as soon as things start kind of getting going and moving along, what do they do? There's, a, there's what we'll call a drift, right? A, a natural mission drift where they get comfortable. They kind of start complaining. Now, all of a sudden, th this desperate place of worship and desire for God starts to fade. And then what happens? The problems come and the problems get worse and then eventually at some point they get desperate and they get back on their knees again and God uses people like Moses to bring a message and say we got to get back to where we were we got to get back to doing the thing that got us where we were at before in the first place because we've drifted away from it and as soon as they do God is faithful every single time to forgive their sin to heal their land and begin to bless them with abundance again it's this crazy pattern that you look at and you're thinking, how in the world does this keep happening? But guys, isn't it true? It happens all the time. It just does. That was good. You guys are into it. All right, all right. It does. It happens all the time. And we get in this place where it's like, oh my gosh, I was praying every day in the morning on my knees next to my bed. Been there, done that, right? When did that stop? I don't know. I started sleeping in a little bit. I didn't have time anymore. I forgot about that. You name it. You pick the thing, whatever it is, you know. Look at your own life. There's things. Man, I was, I was reading the Bible every day. I got up at five, started getting up at 5.30 in the morning to read for 30 minutes before I had to get ready and go to work. Things were going great. God brought that job to me. He opened up that opportunity. I was, I was suffering financially, and he began to give me, you know, provision. All of a sudden, man, when, wait a minute. When did I stop happening? Right? The things that we do when we're desperate are the things that get the blessing, that get that favor, get that purpose and that promise, those promises going, but somehow along the way when the promises come and the blessing feels so good, you know, you love it, and you just, you, you lose that sense of desperation, and it's a dangerous place to be. It's just dangerous. We have to always be on our knees before God, right? We have to always be prayerful and seeking Him the same way we are whenever we're, we're trying to press in and, and cause things to break open, obviously, and get where we want to go. Now, look at this. This is interesting. 
pay attention to this perfect plan. I, I, I don't know about you, but this blows me away. Like when you really see the perfect plan, now we're all human and we're all sinners, so to think we're going to walk this out perfectly is not going to happen, right? But look at the way God created it to be. And this is just crazy. He says that uh, there shall be no suffering and no barrenness or, or miscarriage in your land, that I will bless your bread and water. There'll be no sickness or disease among you. I will fulfill your number of days. This is crazy, guys. Like the life that God has for us, these planned for us when we're moving with him, when we're following him, there is no sickness and disease. There is no barrenness. We're blessed. There's food. There's water. There's provision, right? He'll fulfill the number of your days. There's not even premature death here that he has planned for the people. But when people get outside of the blessing of God and they get outside of the will and they don't start seeking him, all those things, can, we can, they can kind of open themselves up for those things to start happening. Are you with me? Now, as a nation, if the people of Israel were moving in that direction, then God was promised that he would do all of those things for them. And I just submit to you, how much more so as people, sons and daughters, with the Spirit of God living in us, are those promises not still alive and ready and able for us to receive today? Amen? It takes faith to activate them. Now, what you can see here is that the angel... The angel, again, painting this, this, the, the, the analogy or the comparison here, the angel is, almost every scholar will tell you, almost every theologian will agree, it's not just an angel, it is the pre-incarnate Christ. What do I mean by that? Christ came and was born, incarnated through the Virgin Mary, right? And then he came into this world as Jesus, died, rose from the dead, and then he comes back to live in us as the person of the Holy Spirit. But before, in this place, the angel, it's not just an angel, it's the pre-incarnate Christ himself. It's, first of all, the word's capitalized. That always gives you an indicator of that. But think about it. He says, my name is in him, right? My name is in him. And he says, he has the power to forgive sin. There's nobody else qualified to do that but Jesus. No one else. So it's the pre-qualified Christ. Why is that important? It means because everything that we see the angel doing and paving the way for, for the people of Israel, is exactly the same promises that are alive and ready for you and I today who, who have the Holy Spirit living in us as, as sons and daughters of Christ. Are you with me? So we see the perfect plan. We see Christ. But what we have to understand is that the key to Israel's victory in all of these things pushing out the enemies from the land, walking in the, the, the blessing and abundance and provision that God has promised, it had nothing to do, this is huge, had nothing to do with their military strength. Now, they were very militarily strong. God had established and fortified an army through them. They were very strong. But their victory, their blessing, their ability to drive the enemy out had absolutely nothing to do with their military strength and it had everything to do with the angel of the Lord that went before them. Are you with me? And so what we see here is we understand that we have to realize where our strength comes from. We have to realize where our strength comes from and where it doesn't come from. It doesn't come from us, from our abilities. We, can, we are very gifted people. God has gifted us all great abilities, great talents. We, some of us are very strong in specific areas, but our 
strength does not come from that. It comes from Jesus. It comes from God. He's the one who gave you those gifts. He's the one who activates those gifts. And he's the one that uses them to do supernatural things and bring abundance to our lives. Amen. Take a look at this. Open your Bible now to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to read from the Amplified Version. So if you don't have an Amplified Bible, just look at the screen behind you. But this is God speaks to Paul. And he says, first of all, he says, My grace is sufficient for you, Paul. My loving kindness and my mercy are more than enough, always available, regardless of the situation. For my power is being perfected and is completed and shows itself most effectively in what? Your weakness. Therefore, I will all the more gladly boast, this is Paul, in my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may completely enfold me and may dwell in me. So I am well pleased with weakness, with insults, distresses, persecutions, and difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, in parentheses, in human strength, then I am strong, truly able, truly powerful, truly drawing from God's strength. Now, you just have to understand what weakness is. When, when we acknowledge our weakness, guys, it's not that we're just little weak thing. We're bold and we're confident and we're strong. But what the weakness he's talking about here is actually having a clear understanding of where your strength really comes from. It's realizing, acknowledging, and walking in the constant awareness that alone in your own natural abilities, you don't have any, any ability to do supernatural things. It's understanding and realizing where your strength comes from it all the time. It's that desperate place like I was talking about where we know we have to have God. With, if he's not with us, if he's not moving ahead of us, if he's not driving the enemy out, we can't do any of that on our own. And that's having a true understanding of weakness like what Paul's talking about. And when we're in that place, we're desperate for God and his strength is active in a supernatural way in our life. And I just want to submit to you that you don't want to attempt to do anything that you're called to do in your life with your own natural abilities without supernatural infusion and empowerment. It's just it's limited. It's, it's earthly. It's worldly. It's just, you know, you get a little bit of results and then what? You're, you're kind of back around or what? Does it get traction? Is it sustainable? In, in perspective of the calling for your life. But whenever God's supernatural strength is at work in your life, what are we doing? If there's provision... There's joy, there's abundance, there's, we're driving the enemy out of the land, right? There's no sickness, there's no, nothing is hindering us and limiting us. I'm not saying there won't be challenges, there were still enemies in the land, right, that had to be driven out. The point is, look at the position and place of victory that they were operating from. As long as they were moving with God, it was always clear that they were going to have the upper hand and they were always going to be advancing forward as you and I are intended to advance forward in our purpose and destiny. It's progressive, guys. We move into our destiny each and every day, more and more, one day at a time, until we ultimately go to be with Jesus, right? And so we, what we look at here is this is another important point. There's a time here in Exodus, uh, back in chapter 17, where they're fighting the Amalekites, and Moses goes up on the mountain, and Aaron has to hold his hands up while he's, because he's, the, the, God says, while you hold your hands up in the air, I'm going to use the army to defeat the Amalekites. So when Moses' hands are up, the, the, the army of Israel is defeating the enemy. But as soon as Moses gets tired and he puts his hands down, guess what happens? The enemy starts to get the upper hand. So what Moses does is he has Aaron come up, and Aaron actually gets behind him and holds his arms up in the air. 
because Moses is too weary, can't hold him up by himself. So Mo Aaron helps him, and while Aaron's holding Moses' arms up, guess what? They totally defeat the Amalekites and drive them out of the land. Now, this is important because in order for us to stay plugged in and walking with God, in order for us to keep that desperation, that understanding that we need Him and His strength to always be working in our lives, this is the way God set it up. We're relational people and we're all part of a body where each member is playing a part. We need other people to help us do that. We need the body of Christ. You know, that's why when people say, well, you know, I'm not so sure about church. I mean, I love God. And that's great and that's awesome. But God created the church so that we could have community. And because of that community, we worship together, but we sharpen each other. And if we unplug from that community, guys, it's very hard to stay under, understanding our dependency on God. And it's very easy to get that mission drift away from the very things that are getting us where we want to go. And, and I'm just, this is just real stuff, right? Like, it's amazing to me, and I've been there, I've done that, so please understand this. I am lumping myself in the same category. But it's amazing to me how a lot of times, you know, you'll, you'll be talking to people or you'll be meeting people and they're having a really difficult time. Maybe they lost their job and they're looking for a job or, or maybe they're, they have a problem in their relationships or whatever it is. There, there's a sense of desperation about them. And so they're, they're coming to church, they're serving in church, they're praying, seeking God, and then boom, God opens up to heavens and just they get a job, there's provision, things are going great, he's blessing them. And, and all of a sudden, it's like, where have they been? Has anybody seen them in a while? No, no, you know, I haven't since they got that job, you know. Or, or you know, their relationship is at the end of the rope. And all of a sudden, God does a, a restorative work and begins this process in the relationship. And it starts to get really great. And then all of a sudden, like, where are they, you know? And it's not just church. I mean, it's on your knees in your prayer time, reading your word, seeking God, all the same things, right, that are a part of our life, our way to, to be dependent upon God. But we get in these places that when the blessings start to come, and again, human nature, we start to just, the complacency and that comfort, oh, it feels good. Yeah, this is what we've been waiting for. But listen, guys, to be complacent, it's just contrary to the life God's called us to live. Our life, every one of us, it's, our calling is different. It's unique. Thank God for that. It's a beautiful thing for each and every one of us, different giftednesses and everything else. But every one of our lives are meant to be missional, meaning we are meant to be advancing and taking territory from the enemy and moving forward in the purpose and the destiny that God has created us for. If that's the case, there's really no time, there's no place for complacency, right? To be comfortable, and, 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 and I mean that in the sense where it's like we just don't need to be seeking and pursuing and depending on God to meet our every need and to take us forward each step of the way. Every day we need God to get us to the next day in our destiny. We just need that, right? And so weakness is really knowing where our strength comes from. And, and the thing is, you know, Israel goes out, the nation, the people, they go out. They're the ones swinging the sword, which is awesome. They've trained. There's nothing wrong with training to be a great soldier, but understanding that it's God who's actually doing the supernatural part of defeating the enemy. See, we want to be great fathers and, and mothers, husbands and wives, business leaders, uh, employees or uh, employers, all the different things that we are. And we train for that and we prepare ourselves for that. We're stewards of that. But there's a difference in putting your faith in that 
in you and what you have versus putting your faith in God and knowing he gives you that ability and he's the one that sustains it and keeps it acting in a supernatural way where the blessings continue to flow out, right? I mean, I prepare and study all the time. I want to be a great pastor, but I just know at the end of the day, and it's, it's actually... I mean, you're more mindful of it, I guess, when you're pastoring a church because you say, well, what we people I hear pastors say like, man, what we do, it's supernatural. You know, like you can't do that without a calling on your life and without the empowerment of God. Amen, brother. I agree. But you know what? I don't think that's the case for anybody. Anybody who's called to anything in order to really walk it out in its fullness, you've got to have an empowerment from God that moves that thing forward in your life. And to try to do it on your own and your own natural abilities is only going to ever get you so far. And who wants only so far, right? I want the fullness. I want the whole thing. There's nothing wrong with that. I want everything God has for me, just like we all should. And I understand the key to that is found in my weakness, meaning my understanding that I can't do any of it apart from God. And, and, and Israel just kind of goes back and forth and back and forth in this thing. And, and, and when they come back around, things go great. And then when they drift away, things go bad. And it's just, a, it's, it's just this constant cycle. And you think, hello, wakey, wakey, like, come on and get a clue, right? Did you not see what happened? Did you, are you not putting the pieces of the puzzle together? It's easy to say that from our vantage point now. But the truth is, guys, hu human nature is, is something we all deal with. And this is something that we're all prone to and subject to, is to get away from the very things that are getting us where we want to go. If you agree with that, say amen. 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 All right. Now, another thing he says here, he says you need to drive the enemy out. Don't let him occupy the land, lest they be a snare to you, lest they be a temptation to make you sin. Now, this is another really big key. When we start to see God move and we start to see the blessings unfold and we start to see you know, the expansion, if you will, of taking more territory for our destiny, right? I mean, we're, we're not just defending territory that we already have. We ought to be taking territory constantly from the enemy. What's the next thing out in front of you that God has for you? There's always something more, right? We ought to be not just defending territory we already have. We ought to be taking more territory each and every day of our lives from the enemy and filling out, if you will, opening up and walking into our destiny. But here's what happened. He says, drive the enemy out. Don't let him have a place in your land lest they be a snare to you and tempt you to sin. So a lot of times what happens is we see God do a good thing. We see him answer our prayers, begin to move in a situation, and it gets... Things start to get moving, and it, it's awesome, and it looks great. And we, we are satisfied. i got to say this right, but satisfied with what's happening. And then in that situation, somehow we allow some little element of sin to still stick around and stay. Now think about it. It could be, let's say, um, let me try to give you an example. Let's say it's a business person, and, you know, they're, their business is suffering, and they pray, and God opens up the doors, and they begin to see blessing, and their business takes off but they allow uh, uh, somebody who's already been caught lying or a dishonest person, they allow them to still stick around and, and, and continue to represent them. Or they're, okay, they're like, yeah, but, you know, or, or whatever that may be. Maybe it's in a relationship where God re reconciles and restores a relationship or something, but one little element of sin that was there uh, that was a big part of what was happening is, is allowed to stay, isn't get dealt with and driven out of the relationship right then for good 
because things mostly are going very well. Are you with me? It's like when we see God's hand moving and we see, I mean, he doesn't just, he also shows us and convicts us of the things that need to go, that need to move out, that don't have a place in our lives. And we've got to make sure that we don't just kind of deal with those things. We have to deal with them fully and get them out of our lives completely so that what? They'll never be a snare to us again and allow us to be tempted into that sin again. I've seen this, guys. I've seen this so many times. It could take a couple of years. Things are going great. Things are going awesome. That marriage is moving forward. That business is succeeding. And then all of a sudden, it's like it circles back around. It starts little, it starts slow, it starts to fester, and then it gets out of control. And really what you have is you have the same animal, the same enemy, the same snake raising its head up that was raising its head up a few years ago. But somehow in the midst of God doing something big, that little thing was allowed to stay and stick around. Am I speaking to anybody today? I mean, I just... Man, it's, I, I mean, there's been times in my life where it's like, oh, yeah, I'm so so great. Yeah, that's awesome. And God's like, yeah, but you still got to get rid of that. Oh, really? Like, it's still, it's good. It's good. I'm happy. No. If you want to stay moving forward, you need to make sure that that thing doesn't ever rear its head up again against you. Did you know every enemy that Israel fought, whether it was the Amalekites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, the Perizzites, the whatever, termites, everything, all the ites, <laughs> did you know This is huge, guys. There really was only ever intended to be one battle. There really was only ever intended to be one battle. They were supposed to be killed, dead, gone, never never a thorn in Israel's side again. But because of the way they dealt with them, they allowed some of them to stick around. They married into some of them. Now, understand, this is symbolic of marrying into sin, like joining ourselves to sin, allowing sin to have a place in our lives. That's what that means. And so when they do that, they allowed that thing. It took years sometimes, but eventually there was a subtle, gradual deterioration, a decay from within that ultimately brought another downfall of their nation and of their society. It's powerful, isn't it? I mean, you just can't mess around with that stuff. And it's always going to be the case. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, it says the whole world, we, it says we know that we are of God, but the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. And so it's always going to be the case, guys, where anything that's going on in this world that we live in, that we're meant to be advancing and taking territory away from the enemy, there's things that the enemy is swaying to try to come at us. He wants to keep us from advancing and taking territory. But if we're going to take territory, he wants to slip a little something in and just make sure it sticks around and it doesn't get driven out completely. Man, we can't mess around with this stuff. As believers, if we're called to a strong life of faith, which we all are, if we're going to go out and change the world with our purpose and destiny, which we ought to, then we have to be kind of people that are rigid with the little things that we know. We don't just drive it out 75%, 85%, 95%. He's talking about 100%. Get your foot on the thing and kill it and make sure that thing never steps up again to bring you harm and bring you a fight another day. Don't let it have a little bit of life in it. Finish it off, man. I, I love this. God's a warrior, right? I love this stuff. We can't play around with that. And so... We've got to be quick, guys, at any given moment, any time in our life. We've got to be quick to recognize 
where our strength is coming from. Have to. We get our eyes off of that, put it on ourselves. Oh, man, I'm getting pretty good at this stuff. Well, I'm starting to really, you know, I'm starting to figure out how to preach a little bit. I'm kind of learning some things here. Anytime you think it's you, you better get yourself in check and take a step back and say, y there may be good, si good things happening, but it's only because God's making it happen and he's, he's doing it through me. Right? And we've got to be quick to recognize where our strength comes from. And we ought to be even quicker, guys, to make sure we give the credit where the credit is due. See, God, he, the Bible says he's a jealous God. Now, it isn't the same word in the same meaning that we see used in the New Testament for jealousy when we talk about sin. Because jealousy is actually used to describe something that someone else has that I want. Something that's already rightfully theirs, but I want it. I'm coveting it. And so jealousy can become a sin to me. Right? And it's, that's not what we're talking about. God is a jealous God. What that means when you just study that word out in the, in the Old Testament, it means that he wants what's rightfully his. And the glory, the credit for what is going on in our lives, it only belongs to him. He doesn't share it with anybody else, including us. Amen? I mean, this is huge. It's good. Why is that such a big deal? See, God is God. He doesn't need it. He doesn't need it to exist, to be all-powerful, all-knowing, and omnipresent. He already is that. Why does he need it? i tell you why he needs it. Huge. He needs it because he understands that it is the best thing for us to grasp. He knows. He doesn't need the glory. He needs it because if we give him the glory, we will walk in the purpose and destiny that he's called us to. That's powerful stuff. So we ought to be quick to recognize where our strength comes from, but we ought to be even quicker to make sure we give credit where credit is due. You know, we ought to be really, really uh, familiar with saying things like, oh, you know, it's, it's all God, man. Oh, I just thank God that he made that happen. I thank God that he gave me that ability. I thank God that he opened that door. Why are those words sometimes so hard to come off of our lips? I don't know. But it's him, isn't it? So why? I found that if we'll be quick to just throw that first little sign of glory out to him, give him credit, it's like, it's just a, it's like a ripple effect that starts to happen in our lives. Amen. We ought to just be quick. Yeah, God, oh, praise God, yeah. Oh, man, that's awesome that things are really going well in the church. Yeah, thank God. Without him, it would, none of it would be possible. Man, that's awesome that things are going so well in your family. Yeah, God has just blessed us with a beautiful family, and we're healthy, and we just, we just thank him for that every day. You know, we ought to be quick to do that. And if we're quick to do that, it'll keep us aware of the fact that where our strength is really coming from. It'll keep us desperate like we ought to be all the time. And then ultimately what we're all really looking for is that the strength and the power will always be flowing through our lives. And God will always be doing the work that he intends to do in us and through us. We'll be advancing and we'll be taking territory from the enemy constantly and never giving it back. I take it. He ain't going to have it back, but I, there is more ahead. What does that mean? That's just our purpose and destiny being filled out, right? That next level of influence, that next level of impact, those people that you want to make a difference for, those, whatever it may be, there's always new levels of influence. When we see Israel moving in with God, just like we saw Isaac doing, what happened? His boundaries just kept increasing. He said like, he has to move because there's not enough room to hold all the blessing here anymore. So God expanded his borders again. Then he expanded his borders more. 
Your borders ought to be expanding all the time. Your levels of influence, your impact, you name it, resources, provision. This is the life he's called us to. It's not escape or void of trial and challenge. That comes too. But we always operate from a place of victory. We're not trying to get a victory. We've already got it. Jesus already died for you to have it. It's just the faith active in your life that keeps you moving in it. Amen. And I'll just close with this. You know, when you look around, think about this. This is what I think about, I guess, as these things that have been on my heart more lately, I say. When you look around, do you see a nation in the world anywhere that really is living this as a nation? Because I don't. And what do we see? We see evil rampant like never before across our world. We see sickness just ravaging peoples all over the place. Oppression and bondage, just like it was back then. And what we see is we we see, I, I, I struggle to find a nation who as a nation, I'm not talking about individuals, right? But as a nation, are really truly seeking and worshiping God. And that's what Israel was doing when, when they were in the fullness of the blessing and the plan and the purpose that God had for them. And you say, okay, yeah, pastor, that's true. What do we do about that? Well, listen, I'll tell you what I believe. This is what I believe. We can control right now how we individually live this thing out. You may not be able to change everything that's happening in the world, but you can make sure that you wake up each and every day and you know where your strength comes from. And then you know what happens next? Hallelujah, it spills over into your household. Now your home and your family, as a family unit and a group, begin to understand together where their strength comes from. And everybody is moving forward in that purpose and destiny that God has for them. But there's a purpose as a family just as much as there is an individual. And then you know what happens? Maybe if we do that long enough, that family begins to influence and impact the community. Families, family becomes families and families become a community. And now a community is after God, seeking Him, pursuing Him. And ultimately, communities can affect the land, can affect the nation, can turn, guys, a whole nation back to God. You know why I know that? Because it's history. There has always been, even in the most horrific of times of bondage and oppression, where the majority of the nation turned their back to God and worshiped idols and did all kinds of other impure things. There has always been a remnant. There has always been a remnant of people within the nation that have loved God and sought Him and pursued Him. And God has said in those times, I'm going to come to that remnant and I'm going to use their voice to go to the people and turn their hearts to me and when they do, I will begin to heal their land. Might I suggest to you that you and I today, people who really grasp that we have a purpose and a destiny from God, and that He is the key to all of our strength and all of our destinies coming true, that might I suggest we might 
just be a remnant for a time such as this. Hallelujah. Stand your feet with me today. I can tell you this from my perspective. The world couldn't be in a more precisely positioned place to be ready for a remnant to rise up strong. But I'm not talking about a powerless remnant. It's got to have power. It's got to be authentic. It's got to be effective. Otherwise, there's nothing in it, right? Who wants that? But that remnant, us, a people on fire for God, understanding where our strength comes from. Hallelujah. Praise God. He could use us to change the world, guys. Would, would, do you believe, because I contend and believe for this, that one day before I'm gone, I will see this nation of the United States loving and seeking God, being a nation that's after his heart, like the very foundation that we were founded upon. So appropriate on the 4th of July weekend to discuss something like this. The time our independence was wrought and founded. Let it stir up a fire in us even today, right? To say, let us get back to that place again. Hallelujah. And the land, not just lives, the land. No barrenness, no sickness, no poverty, no nothing. But the fullness of the promises that God has really created us to live in, we will taste and see. Not just a little bit or in our own lives, in the fullness that he's called us to. Hallelujah.